Well, as we continue in the series, the James series, the section of Scripture today is found in James, the first chapter, verses 19 through 27. Now, instead of reading that all at once, we're going to break it apart piece by piece. And, uh, but I've entitled this message today, Actions Speak Louder Than Words. When I think of James, I always think of uh, the theme that speaks to me in the book of James is uh, faith without works is dead. So keep that in mind as a backdrop as we continue today. Actions speak louder than words. It's not just what you hear. It's not just what you say. It's what you do that matters. Actions speak louder than words. Let's pray for our time and open our hearts to the Lord. Lord, we open our hearts to you, and we're totally confident that you will open your heart to us today. Lord, open your word to us. It's a living word, living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting to the dividing line of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, exposing the intents of our hearts. Lord, make this biblical, practical, relevant to every heart here today. With all the people that are here today, Lord, We all face different situations, different circumstances, different seasons of life, but I pray that you will make this message connect. You will enable there to be a connection with each heart today for your glory, for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. I've broken this into three, what I'm calling three super points, and the first super point is Tell me more. And as under that super point, let's take a look at the section of Scripture that would relate to that, James 1.19 through 21. And that should appear on the screen. I'm saying that in faith. There it is. Know this. Why don't we all stand and read the word together in this section of Scripture? Just James 19.21. And 21, starting with no. Know this, my brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Tell me more. That is what I've come to realize in my relationship with Mindy. In the month of August, August 13th, as a matter of fact, we'll celebrate 43 years of marriage. It just gets better all the time. But something that I have realized is so important in my relationship with her is an attitude of tell me more. But I want to have that same attitude toward the Lord. Seek more. Tell me more, Lord not tell me less. I want to be on the path of the wise, not the simple or the fool. The path of the wise is seeing things from God's point of view. The path of the simple is, well, the more I know, the more I'm responsible for, so I, I just do not know as much as I need to know because then I'll, be res- then I'll be responsible. But then the path of the fool is the path of rebellion. And at the extreme, the fool would say, there is no God. But less than the extreme, the fool would just have an attitude of knowing what God wants, but refusing to do it. 
But I want to be on the path of the wise, seeing things from God's point of view. So even in my relationship with Mindy, I'm not limited to what she says she wants. Now, she's got the fear of the Lord, thankfully. She doesn't want to control me or try to control me. She doesn't have to have her way. She wants God's way. But she's not afraid to express her desires. But I don't limit myself to what she expresses. I always go vertical at those points, and I say, Lord, what are you saying? Because, you know, the English language is so inadequate. I mean, people try to put things into words and communication, but... I try not to be a literalist in terms of what they're really saying in in terms of words. But I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what are they really saying? I'm not going to decide what they're saying. What are they saying, Lord? So that's been very helpful. So with that as a backdrop, as some of you know, my father-in-law, Mindy's father and Susan's father, recently had his graduation service in May and went home to be with the Lord. But prior to that, we were going on a trip to Africa. Now, I don't tend to get stressed, but I did feel pressure. (laughs) I did feel a press prior to that trip. Because we were getting ready for that trip. We were going to leave the 21st of May, come back the 11th of June. It was going to be a three-week trip for some of us, like Brad Thomas, myself, and others. So here was the pressure point. One of the pressure points is, is dad going to die while we're gone? Lord, tell me more. I was really seeking the Lord. Because I knew that if he died while we were gone during the course of the trip, I knew that I would need to and want to come home. I knew that Brad Thomas, being another son-in-law, would want to come home. I know our daughter Joy would come home. And Brad's uh, daughter, Mindy Abercrombie, would want to come home. And that means that that would leave Emily Brumman and Denise Doxson, the lone survivors of that part of the trip. Well, it was their first fresh start trip, so it really wouldn't be fair to them to leave them as the lone survivors. So I thought, what should we do, Lord? Should I approach somebody and should we have somebody be a... Do we need a contingency plan? I was, really, I was really pressed, not stressed. <laughs> pressed. And then the Lord spoke to my heart because my attitude with him and with Mindy and with others, tell me more. Lord, do we, what do we need to do? And the Lord spoke to my heart in a deep, reassuring way and basically said, it's, it's going to be okay. And, and it gave me a deep sense of peace and well-being. In Colossians, the third chapter, 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So I knew without peace, there's nothing to talk about. I need to have a contingency plan or not go at all. But then you think, well, there's a lot of preparation going on and on their end and our end and team meetings and prayer and finances, and it wasn't an easy decision to make. So I was so thankful that the Lord spoke to my heart and said, it's going to be okay. Now, my interpretation of that peace was different than the reality that came to be. Because on the 16th of May, at 4.13 in the morning... Dad had his graduation into the presence of the Lord. And that was the 16th, and we were leaving 
scheduled to leave the 21st. It was amazing what God did between the 16th and the 21st. It was the amazing provision, amazing grace, amazing blessing. I was scheduled to give the message at All Nations Church that Sunday, which I gave. Some of you were there. And then Pastor Elmer Murdoch and I co-officiated at Dad's graduation service. And we left on Wednesday, the 21st, for Africa for three weeks. Now, I wouldn't have gone without Mindy's blessing and peace from the Lord. Mindy and Susan, both as sisters, gave Brad and me the blessing to go. And one thing that really helped was they were going to be together for two weeks before Susan went back to Atlanta. So they were going to be working on stuff. So it wasn't like they were going to be alone. So that helped. And then during the course of the trip, when we got to Cape Town during the second half, I began to think and pray about coming home early. We'd had a wonderful trip, as I shared recently. It was the best trip yet. It was amazing amazingly full and fruitful. But as we were coming to the close of the Cape Town trip, I I thought, Lord, do you want me to go home a little early? You know, Brad would be able to lead the team to the conclusion of the trip. And as I prayed about that, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, there's something that I think would mean more to Mindy. I believe there's something that would mean more to Mindy. I was impressed by that. I knew she'd be blessed if I came home early. But what was going to be the greater blessing? And here it was. Now keep in mind the backdrop. Keep in mind the significance of what I'm going to say. Fresh Start for All Nations is exploding in terms of opportunity. In the last 10 years, we have had face-to-face, heart-to-heart, personal contact and investment in hearts in 42 nations of the world by those in our Fresh Start network. That would include Gwen Edlin, by the way. That would include Scott Farrakhan in, in Alaska, now in, in Texas. But a lot of those personal face-to-face, heart-to-hearts originated from here, from Omaha. So God's on the move. I mean, things are exploding. The momentum is there. And the Lord spoke to my heart is clearly... as I'm looking at all of you, and I know you're here, and I know I'm here. This is reality. This is not an illusion. He spoke to my heart and said, I don't want you to go on any more trips the rest of this year. That doesn't mean Brad and Susan can't go. That doesn't mean others in the network can't go. But you, Steve Peterson, you need to be home for the rest of the year as far as international trips. And without hesitation, because my attitude was, Lord, tell me more. (laughs) I was at zero. Nothing to prove. It's God's mission anyway. He will build his church. He will expand his kingdom. It's not dependent upon me. I just want to be a willing participant. It was clear. So I conveyed that to Mindy, and she was blessed, yes, But it wasn't about her, first and foremost, being blessed. I don't mind her being blessed, by the way. But more importantly, I believe God's heart was blessed. And she said, she said, you know, I would have never asked you 
not to go on any more international trips the rest of the year. I would have never asked that of you. But I want you to know, and that's, she inspired the title of this message. Your actions spoke louder than words. Your actions, your decision not to go on any more trips the rest of the year spoke louder to me than any words of encouragement or blessing that you could have said. Actions speak louder than words. As we look at this, these first three verses, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Well, that anger piece is not just a little extra piece that is not connected. The theme that I'm hearing is a theme of submission. Because anger is an issue of submission. Nobody's been more mistreated than Jesus. Nobody's been more rejected and mocked and reviled than Jesus. But he, when he was on planet Earth, he was on a mission. They didn't drag him to the cross, kicking and screaming. He was on a mission to do his Father's will, to defeat the works of the devil, do his Father's will, and rescue you and me. So when he was mocked and reviled and when they gambled for his clothes from the cross and he was beaten to the point of death before he was even crucified... He was unflappable, immovable, because he was on a mission of submission to his Father's will. So think about it. When you're quick to hear, who are you preferring? The other person and the Lord. As a believer, as a follower, as one submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when you're quick to hear, quick to hear, you're preferring. It's other than you. When you're slow to speak, it's other than you. When you're slow to anger, it's other than you. It's submission to the mission of our Father. And that's what I wanted. And that, I believe, is such, that that inspires the theme or the super point of the First three verses, tell me more. Before we go on, is that your hard attitude with the Lord? Tell me more. As opposed to, tell me less. I don't want to know anymore. Because if I know more, I might be responsible for more. No, no. Tell me more. Tell me more. I'm all in, Lord. I'll obey you no matter what the cost. Tell me more. And then when it comes to the horizontal whether it's marriage or other relationships, when we have that attitude of tell me more, it's an attitude of, I'm really making understanding more important than you agreeing with me or, or feeling like you understand me. I'm really preferring you. Tell me more. And then when it comes to marriage especially, but other relationships too, Mindy is free to express her desires She's sweet, she's nice, she's wonderful, but she's not afraid to say what she wants. And I love to please. But the Lord spoke to my heart years ago when I sometimes felt torn about pleasing her and I thought, you know, I don't really have peace to do what she's talking about, but I want to please her because I love her. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, if you put her ahead of me, you'll become a spiritual prune. You'll become hollow and empty. That got my attention. 
The fear of the Lord is making Jesus the reason you do what you do or not do. It's a taking him very seriously, very seriously. <laughs> not taking the other person too seriously. Not taking yourself too seriously, but taking him very seriously. So when she expresses a desire, I go vertical and I say, Lord, what do you think about that? And then I do what I believe he wants, which is, doesn't limit me to what she wants. It may intersect what she wants perfectly, but usually it's more than what she's even asking for. Tell me more. Turn to the person to your right and left and ask them, do you have the attitude of tell me more? Well, let's go on to the next few verses. Verses 22 through 25. 22 through 25. The super point on this one is, this section of Scripture is... The highway to hell is paved with good intentions. The highway to hell is paved with good intentions. Let's read what the scriptures say. Can we stand again? You didn't know you were going to get your exercise today. I think we want to honor the Lord this way. And we'll start with that first word, first three words, but be doers. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man intently at his natural face in a mirror, at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perceives, perseveres, being no hearer but forgets, he will be a blessing in his doing. You may be seated. So what is the personal application for this one? We want this to be practical. We want this to be relevant. We don't want to be guilty of what these scriptures are saying. Just be a hearer of the word and say, you know, that was nice, but are we going to do anything about it? Are we going to, do we see any, see any point of application? Well, here's consideration for application. Trying to be good enough is never enough. We can never be good enough. We need to be all in to experience salvation through Jesus Christ. The perfect law of liberty is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The perfect liberty found in Christ fulfills the perfect law of the Old Testament because Christ was the only one who could. So you can imagine as James is addressing Jewish people of that day, it to uh, acknowledge the Old Testament. The perfect law is, is Jesus in the, uh, in, the, in the gospel, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The perfect law of the Old Testament, because he was the only one that could, those who come to him in faith now have freedom from sin's bondage and are able to obey God. Christ alone can set us free and give us true liberty. I'm reminded of the scripture in John 8, 31 and 2. Continue in my word, and you'll be true disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then skip forward to verse 36. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The only one that could fulfill the law, the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, 
is Jesus Christ. He is the fulfiller. He is the good one who fulfilled the law. So we need to put our faith and trust in the good one. You see, we can never, we can never do enough. And I circle back to faith without works is dead. We're not talking about good works for the sake of earning favor with God or acceptance with God or forgiveness with God. We can never do enough. We'll always fall, always fall short. We need the one. The lawgiver became the law keeper, and we need him. He's our only hope. And to the degree we know we needed rescuing, to the degree we know that we needed rescuing from our sin and selfishness, to that degree, this is relevant. And that helps us know what and understand what grace is all about. Because grace is something we don't deserve. So there's good intentions. We can try to be a good person. We can try to improve and do better. But it's never enough. We need Jesus. We need his life. We need his love. We need his acceptance, his forgiveness. We need him. He is the only hope. So as we look at this, the perfect law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty isn't going backwards to the Old Testament. The perfect law of liberty is Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he fulfilled the law by dying on the cross for you and me so that we could be free as we put our faith and trust in him. He is our only hope. Turn to the person to your right and left and ask them with all sincerity, is Jesus your only hope? Actions speak louder than words. Which brings us to the third super point. The third super point is, are you the real deal? Let's take a look at this these verses in closing in terms of the uh, verses in James that we're addressing today. Are you the real deal? Go ahead and stand again, please. You, you are anticipating that. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You may be seated. So as we look at these nine verses today, let's take a look at the personal application here. Are you willing for your religion to cost you something? I think it's very significant, the choice of words here, in terms of how the Lord, through James, is defining true religion. Are you willing for your religion to cost you something? Are you a respecter of persons? I think that's very significant. When we talk about visiting the orphans and widows in their affliction, it's like, in order to do that, we, we, we can't be consumer Christians. We're not going to be thinking about what's in it for me. We're not going to be a respecter of persons. And James talks about that in James, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3. 
Are we willing to make a sacrifice? Are we willing to fully participate no matter what the outcome? Does there have to be something in it for us? Let's ponder these questions for a moment. I know there could be more. We live in a day, it's probably not unique, but we live in a day of observable phenomenon. I'll just say it that way, speaking for myself, not deciding what's in your heart or what you believe. We seem to live in a day of consumer Christianity. And what does that mean? It's an attitude of what's in it for me. It's an attitude of... uh, What am I going to get out of it? It's an attitude of outcome-based. And it's kind of a setup in some ways because, you know, you follow the word of God and you're doing what he says to do. But then very very subtly sometimes something comes in, well, well, I'm doing my part. How come you're not answering my prayer, God? How come you're not healing my body? How come you're not giving me a new job or giving me a pay increase or whatever the case may be? It's so easy to be outcome-based. Now, nobody cares more than Jesus about what you're going through. And we, we want to pray for those in physical need, and we do pray. And we, it does matter whether we have income and a job. It does matter. So I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but the motive of the heart is what I'm talking about right now. And then how do we treat one another? We hang out with people that uh, are the easiest ones to be with, you know, even as we come together on Sunday morning, just as an example. Do we hang out with those that are easiest to be with, our friends and ones that we have the most affinity with or chemistry with, or do we approach this gathering on a mission? Who can I meet today that I haven't met before? Who can I reach out to? Who can I invite to lunch? Who can I invite to lunch this week? How, who, who can I bless? Do we allow temptations to come into our mind? Well, they don't have any money or they don't, they, they don't you know, fill in the blank. They don't have any way that they'll benefit me. Do we approach things on the basis of what we think we're going to get? In other words, do we give to get? Or do we live live to give and love to love? There's a difference. Do we live to give and love to love? Or Or do we give to get? Is there a motive? I can remember in previous days, not this body of believers, but going way back, I sometimes perceived that Leaders were interested in in people that had more means financially. And my response was not to put the spotlight on that and say, shame on you, but God moved in my heart. And the way that affected me is I went after some of those same people, but I wanted to send them a message. I care about you for you. I'm not interested in your money. 
I'm not interested whether you, what you give to the church or to a ministry or whatever. I care about you. You see, that's, that's the spirit, I believe, that James is talking about in terms of true religion. If anyone thinks his religion, he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, de- but deceives his heart, this, person, this, religion, this person's religion is worthless. He, the, the true religion that he's talking about is visiting the orphans and widows. And, of course, we see in Psalm 68.5 that uh, God says he's the father to the fatherless and the protector of widows. God really has a heart for the poor. He has a heart for everybody. But how about us? Are we outcome-based? Are we consumer? Are we cultural? Or are we consumed? Consumed with him, consumed with pursuing his heart, consumed with an attitude of, tell me more. I'll do whatever you want, no matter what the cost. Consumed with, I know I could never be good enough. I'm going to fall short. You're the only good one. But you live in me, and to give me the ability to do and to, to will and to do your good pleasure and delight, it's all about you. I want to live for your glory and for the benefit of others. Our Am I the real deal? I'm convinced that one of the reasons why, and Emily is here and Brad is here and I'm here, so three out of six that were in Botswana know what I'm talking about that are here today. One of the reasons why there was such incredible impact in Botswana among the university students in particular was Emily is so real. Joy, our daughter, is so real. Denise is so real. Mindy Abercrombie is so real. And Brad and I, totally transparent. People respond to real, not fake. And they seem to know the difference. And we would insult them if we think, if we, if we think they don't know the difference. It's like it's, it's an insult, insult to them. It's like... People are more discerning than we think. Are we the real deal? Turn to the person to your right and left and ask them, are you the real deal? Okay, let's summarize and close. Tell me more. Can we say that together out loud all together? Tell me more. Please say that again. Tell me more. One more time. Tell me more. And on the count of three, the highway to hell is paved with good intentions. One, two, three. One, two, three. One more time. And then finally, are you the real deal? On three. One, two, three. Yes. Tell me more, Lord. You know, I can remember when I first came to the Lord, first came to Saving Faith, I didn't know anything. And within six months, I was leading two Bible studies. And Mindy looked at me after I volunteered for the first one, and her look and her eye, her nonverbal communication was, you don't know anything. (laughs) She was right. 
I didn't know anything. But it was, we started with the book of Romans. I got a Barclays commentary, and we got in the, pre, it was the previous, previous, previous church. It was a mainline religion church. And uh, it was dead, but nice people. And uh, we were leading them through the book of Romans. In a, if you can imagine this, in a small room at the church with a fireplace, and most of the women were smoking. But I believe God was pleased. It was a time of grace and truth. And you know what? My attitude was, I don't understand all of this, but let's just do it. Let's just do what he says. And I believe God honored that. Suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of God. I was just like a child, just had childlike faith. I didn't know anything. But I was, I was sold out. I was all in. And whatever he showed me, I did. How about you? Are we sitting, soaking, and souring in these seats? Or are we willing to do whatever he says? Turn to the person to your right and left and say, Are you willing to do whatever he says? Tell me more. Tell me more. The highway to hell is paved with good intentions. As you can imagine, I run into a lot of people in my travels who believe that they're good people. And you know, in many ways, I can believe they are. But they're not good enough. (laughs) Because there's only one who is the perfect law of liberty. And his name is Jesus. And he died for our sins. And he rose again on the third day. And he ascended into heaven. And sits on the right hand of the Father. And those of us that believe in him and are submitted to him are seated in the heavenlies and high places in Christ Jesus. And we have the one, the good one in us to will and to do his good pleasure and delight. And, the, and it's not... It's it's the good works that are coming from our lives now. The good works that are coming from our lives now are not works to gain or earn something, but they're works of gratitude. They're works of love and gratitude. Because we've been rescued. We've been rescued. We've been delivered. And there's always more with the Lord, no matter what. Oh, wow. I want to be the real deal. How about you? Turn to the person to your right and left and declare that. I want to be the real deal. How about you? In just a moment, I'm going to have the worship team lead us in a closing song. But I want you to be thinking practically now. Okay, now what? Now what? I hope you've been inspired today. I hope you've been moved today to action. But, you know, it's not going to look the same from person to person. But what is it going to look like for you? Actions speak louder than words. What does that look like for you? I'm convinced that everybody in this room has something they can take another step into. We can all take another step forward. In fact, let's all stand.
before the worship team plays, I want you to be thinking in your heart right now. And we're going to do what is called, we're going to put feet into our faith. And this doesn't, mean, doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else besides you and the Lord. For some, it could mean getting off the throne of your life and surrendering to the king today. For others, it could mean starting to obey the Lord in your finances. For others, it could, start, it could mean start obeying the Lord in some other way in a relationship. Pursuing, not dependent upon how they respond, but dependent upon him. Remember what he says in 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us, whether they love you or not, but whether they'll ever love you or not. Will you love them because he first loved you? What's your next step? And even as we sing this song, at some point, nobody needs to be looking or examining, but if you will even outwardly take the step forward, physically, and in your heart, you know you're doing it between you and the Lord. And you know it means something to you. And then as we walk out of this room, will you put it into action? Faith without works is dead. <laughs> we don't want to be a people where the world around us is saying, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Because you're no different than me or anybody else. Uh, we've got nothing to prove. But will we be a people of action? Obedience in action. Faith in action. The real deal. Perfect, messy at times. Stumbling and bumbling at times. It's not about us. It's about our hearts submitted to him. So that's my challenge to you today. What will it be? I know that God is speaking to each of you. What will it be? What will it be for you? It's not going to be the same as it was for me before Africa. It's not going to be the same from person to person. What is it for you? What is that next step for you? Action.